Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. All right. Well, I'm excited for this morning. We're going to wrap up our legacy series by talking about kingdom family and raising kingdom family. One of the things that I think it's really important that we grasp is that this applies to all of us. You see, as, as we look at scripture, what we see is actually the story of God raising kids. And so what I've learned in my brief experience, a little over eight years of parenting, is that the way that I parent my kids reveals the way I believe that God is parenting me. And so I believe that as we talk about raising kingdom family, we all actually have a part to play in that. We are actually the family of God. And, and you see, what's interesting is that when God was speaking to Abraham and he was saying, hey, get this thing started, he did not say, start a religion. What he actually said is start a family. And I believe that the people of God joined together are supposed to represent the family of God. And so we're gonna talk um, mostly in the context of, of our own household and, and, and raising kids, but I believe that it's, it's really important that we grasp that this applies to all of us, no matter where we are. And my hope for you is that you would, this morning, get a picture of how big God's heart is for you. And I believe that God wants to put his heart on display. One of the things that we're, we're gonna talk about is what it looks like, obviously, to parent kids and and. and Often parenting happens in teams, but I just want to say something before we jump in with Alan and Lynette to single parents. I believe that there is grace for you. You're not a second class parent. You have an incredible purpose in your kid's life. And one of our great examples of a single parent is Darby. I don't know if Darby's here. She's going to be mad that I point her out. Darby, where are you? Yeah, she's sliding down in her, in her seat there. Darby has been a single mom, and she has raised very successfully three kids that are following Jesus with their whole life. And I've known Darby now for about 15 years, so I've been able to watch her. I know her kids. And one of the things that she's shared with me in our conversation about parenting, and one of the things I observed in her, is that she knew that she could not do it alone. And let me just say this. Whether you're single or you're, you're married, you cannot do it alone. You need people around you. But what I watched in Darby is that she intentionally, and especially with her son Josh, she intentionally found people, and specifically men in the church family, that would father her kids. And I believe this for us, if, if we're raising kids, and, and maybe you're a single parent, that I, I believe that it's, it, it is strategic that you be intentional to get your kids involved with the church, and even that you would invite some uh, some others to help parent with you, that they would have insight and voice in your life, that they would get that kind of time. So that's enough about me. I don't know a whole lot about parenting. I've just been doing this for about eight years. And so I'm excited for Alan and Lynette. Here, here's one of the many reasons that I asked for them to share is because I, I believe that you can judge a tree by its fruit, right? Alan and Lynette have 10 kids. That's a lot of fruit, but here's what's cool about their 10 kids. How many grandkids, by the way? 15, so they're just getting started on grandkids. Um, there they are, yeah, let's check that out. So they have 10 kids, and every 
single one of their kids is following Jesus. And, and they're, isn't that awesome? And, and some of them are in full-time ministry. Some of them are business owners. Um, Carice is, is in med school becoming a doctor. Occupy, yeah. A doctorate of occupational therapy. So they've got kids like all over the, the place. It's just awesome. And so, hey, would you guys start us off by sharing a little bit of your story? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, well, my plan for my life uh, was to be a doctor or an attorney with 1.7 children, which I think was kind of close to the average. Um, so I want to say that when God got a hold of us, Alan and I had been married for three years. We had both been married and divorced before. Um, we had, I would say, a heavy party lifestyle. And we got a hold of radically um, and had a radical transformation. Um, it, so when God got a hold of us, he got us hold, a hold of us completely. Now, we had four kids at the time. So we had our two, when we got saved, so two or seven, two 18-month-old twins. Um, we actually had gone from one to four children. Uh, we had my daughter, Siobhan, and then when we had the twins, uh, Alan's son came to live with us. So we went, we never had two and we never had three. So I can't help you with that. Um, and then I was like, that's all I can do. Um, but, so we, we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and so I would say that that, like, just became our focus to say, okay, what does it mean to be married? What does it mean to have kids? You know, we just had to learn and had to have the Holy Spirit show us, and what happened with me is my pastor's wife actually came to me and said, oh, Lynette, uh, you really need to learn how to discipline your children, my thought was, I do discipline them. And then my next thought was, when I get mad enough. I, I, I was immediately in my heart offended because I wanted to be a good mom. And I had to make a choice to humble myself and to say, I, I want to learn, like teach me. So that's kind of what started our journey, I'd say. That's awesome. Did you catch that? Like, how many of us, when we get offended, we run the other way? But that says a lot to say that I got offended, but there's something there that I need to grab a hold of. That's huge. Way to go. So describe to us the culture of your family. What, what, is it, what does it look like to be a criddle? Well, uh, this one is a big teaser. There's a lot of teasing and laughter going on, which I would say that my kids got desensitized really early. Uh, <laughs> and that's just an expectation in our family. Um, I actually sent out the questions that Joel sent me because all, all my kids are grown. My youngest is a senior in high school. She's 18. And I asked for feedback from my kids and from actually my uh, daughter and son-in-laws. And I got a few replies back. Um, one was, you know, I just paid attention to what most of them said, that we were a team, you know, that we had a team mentality. And, you know, before I got saved and knew Jesus, I would stand outside every day and look at a star and say, God, you know, star, <laughs> I wish my family was one 
unity and that our fun times were during the day. That's what I prayed. So wherever you are and whatever's going on in your life, I want to say that the Holy Spirit is faithful, that you say what you want and God will do it. So culture in our life, our family is a lot of laughter. We do work, our, our, our stories work hard, play hard. We do work hard. All the kids know how to work hard, and we do play hard. Second of all, I'd say that worship is a huge, huge part of who we are. And, you know, Alan started off as a worship leader. Our oldest son, Jared, was in worship. Um, both of our twins kind of pass it down, pass it down. And now y'all see Faith up here, but we have other, you know, worship worshipers in our family, worship team. So really, truly sitting around and singing and worshiping is just a big deal for us. I mean, that is our idea of fun. And my idea of heaven is what I see all my kids worshiping. You know, that's like the best thing I could ever see. That's awesome. So give us maybe two to three keys on raising a kingdom family. And I just want to differentiate we're not just talking about, when we say raising a kingdom family, we want, we want our kids to live under the, the influence, the lordship of Jesus, not just to go to church and be good citizens, but we actually want to see them be gripped by God and that it mark their lives and then mark the world because of them. He's waiting for ministry time. <laughs> okay, this is what I'm gonna say. Is it start with the end in mind. Like one of the things we did, Alan and I did, is we actually sat down and prayed and asked what kind of adults we would hope for. And that were um, sons and daughters who are rooted and grounded, full of the Holy Spirit, um, operating in the gifts of the Spirit as part of their life, just like expectation of miracles every day, um, that they knew how to lead and that they wouldn't follow every, you know, wind of doctrine that came along, but that they would be, like, firm. But also, the second thing was that they knew where to go to get answers. It's like, we're here now, and I know we're going to pick that up later, for our kids at their age in a place of counsel. So when they come to us, we're honored that they come to us, but we want them to know how to go to Jesus and go to the Holy Spirit for their answers. And so that's what we worked on, I'd say. That's really good. Could you, I didn't prep you for this, but could you describe what does it look like to teach your kids to, to go to God first? Um, I, can I, as I read my kids' answers, because that helps me a lot. A lot of times when we share, we would, we would, I would, any one of them could come up here and do a great job, you know, talking about this. Um, one thing was that they said, uh, several of them said, that they were taught to live with eternity in mind. Mm, that's really good. And that, you know, it's not about, like, you know, everything about today, but about what's going to go forward. And that's something that I am seeing that we're doing here at Sozo also is, you know, we want to say that this is for future generations. And so for me to sit here today is different when we first started and only had littles, and it was all just you know, an ex hopeful experiment. <laughs> you know, you're just like hoping you're not going to mess them up, right? Um, but now they have kids of their own, and so I'm seeing them pass, you know, those things on to their own kids. So I'd say, you know, it's like if you were, if you were discipling a friend or somebody, what would you do? You know, you want them to, like, receive Jesus, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, learn to walk with the Spirit. 
And it's no different with your kids. You know, they des- they're your first ministry. They're, they're your first, you know, I guess, you know, uh, like person that you want to pour into, you know, before you start even pouring outside your family. So that is really how we saw our kids. Like we saw them as just like anyone else. So I think that honor, teaching them how to honor, teaching them how to be honorable, that our culture and our family should reflect the nature of Jesus. So we don't say our family are the least important members, that we can act any way to each other. We say they're our most important members. So that's where, you know, you get to model, you get to practice, you get to encourage, affirm, and equip. It's really good. Well, one of the things that I hear you saying, and, and maybe you guys could speak into this a little bit more, is that there was a, an integrated way that you lived life as a family. Like, like you weren't different in different roles, but it was actually like you, you, you actually followed God. You didn't just play church, but you actually followed God. Alan, what did that look like for you guys as a family? I think it's contrary. To, I was talking to Dustin earlier. It's opposite from fantasy Christianity. Things happen, mm-hmm. you know, and we, things are going to happen and you just go straight. You know, where are you going to go straight to? Um, Jesus is alive. You know, he's no longer in the tomb. Um, he he's, has all given you all power and authority over the enemy. And so there's things that are going to happen. And so we, as they at a young age, we prayed for them to get filled with the spirit. Why would you not? Mm hmm. You know, why, why would you expect your children to go through this earth, this planet, and life without everything they could possibly need? So me, whether it was work, and this, take them to work with me uh, at a young age, if it was possible, um, a, lot of, a lot of things were learned there. Um, one quick message for that was being in construction and have a compressor going and a saw going and people hammering and pounding, shooting nails. It's so, so busy. And I was teaching them how to run fascia. So we were on a scaffold and they couldn't hear me. And so they watched me. And so with my eyes, I told them to raise the other end up, right? And so they learned how to watch the father's eyes. Yes, I'm an amen kind of guy. So you, t- you, you t- it's, life experiences are spiritual experiences. The same thing. You, you, you need in the midst of all the chaos and the trouble and the noise. You need to listen to the fa- You need to listen to the Father. You need to hear the Father. You need to be able to. Uh-oh, we're going on. on. I wasn't going to go there. No, come on. You, you, but but we learned how to teach our kids how to hear the hear the hear the Father by having them sit down. And I would go. So how do you teach them to listen to the still small voice? You practice with them. You work with them. If they can't listen to the Father, they can't listen to the Father in heaven. If they don't watch the Father in heaven on earth's eyes, they need to learn to watch the Father in heaven. It's, it's having what? A relationship. It's everything we've been talking about is all about. A legacy is a relationship. If you don't have a relationship, it's fantasy Christianity. It's, it's fake fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll know real fruit when you get squeezed, you get back into the corner, what's going to come out of you? And so, I mean, if I was on my deathbed and I had two minutes and I was surrounded by the people I loved most, would I tell them where I was hiding the five cans, coffee cans of money in the backyard? No, I would leave them what they need most, him. They need to have him, the Holy Ghost, 
with all power and authority to run a good race, to fight a good fight, to be victorious. Come on. You know, don't leave home without it. Why, and why do we think raising kids is any different? It's like, ah, oh, God's probably not interested in that part. You know, that, that, that's the very thing. Your children, you want, them to, you, you want them to be victorious. You want them to be a leader. You want them to, to lead others into Christ. You want a generation that's stepping up. Now, I'm fixing to go into my Come deal. On. And I'm telling you, I'm going to go ahead then. I think we're through. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that, that God is turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And God is turning the, the hearts of the children back to the Father. And as that's happening, as that's happening right now, the family unit's coming together. And so revival is taking place right now. And you need to begin to pray. As all of you are standing up this morning, you need to pray over your children because God is turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children right now. Well, think about that family unit. Think of the separation. The enemy's a liar. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your families. He wants to destroy the plan that God has for them. No weapon formed against your children is going to prosper. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. They need to walk in the power and the victory that God's called them to do. What are you waiting for? That's so good. Because it may be awkward. It may be uncomfortable. It may not be what your neighbors think they ought to be doing. It's time to step up. You know, it's exciting. It's a exciting time for God to be reviving. And reviving means to be breathe on you. God, breathe on us. Breathe on this church. Breathe on this country. We need life-giving breath of Jesus to run. Come on. Amen. Oops. No oops. I love it. If you spend much time with Alan, what you're going to realize is that whatever he does, he carries the heart of the Father. And I just... Uh, I love that so much. Hey, let's talk what everybody, every parent at least, wants some help with. Let's talk about discipline. What is the the what does discipline look like, and what's the value of discipline? Well, the root word of discipline is disciple. Come on, right and discipleship. And so, as I've been thinking about this and kind of thinking of like some trend things that are really trendy right now. Um, what I thought about was without discipleship, it's punishment, and that is not the heart of God. But it is not. So one thing one of the kids wrote down was that the person was always more important than the issue, okay? So that's relationship, but it is not fair, and you're not doing any kind of favor to ignore the issue. I mean, you're, so we want our kids to be equipped. We want our kids to be ready. We want our kids to succeed, right? And so that part is the discipleship part. So as you inconvenience yourself, because it's not convenient, usually has to happen at home, you start work, working with your children. You know, one of the first things we did was, you know, how to listen, and we would practice it. And every time I'd catch them doing it, doing it, I would give a big, you know, party, just like, yeah, great job, look at you, you're listening, your eyes are on me, you don't, you don't think sometimes about those little things that you have expectations of that you've never prepared your child for, so that would be what I would say is um, take it slow, take one thing at a time, um, be a team, like Joel was saying, if you're a single parent, get a team, you know, your, your parent, your sibling, your friend, whoever, to encourage you, and take one thing at a time and equip your child. Have them practice what you're hoping to see. So they have every chance to default to that. A lot of it's habit. 
when they're in a, you know, situation that's stressful? You know, where are they going to default to? And where are you going to default to? And so, the, and then I would say grace, just a lot of grace. And that's another thing I saw the kids say was just grace. Because you have to have hard conversations sometimes. But, you know, as you, like, pour into your littles, it's labor-intensive, takes time, hard work. As I get a little older, it's communication, it's discussion, you know, making the time for those things, there isn't anything more important. And as they are, you know, younger adults, older adults, that's what it is. It's discussion, and it's talking, and it's, and it's being approachable, right? And then, you know, they're going out, and then they're going to impact the world. So we're just, we have them for a short period of time on loan. I take that seriously, you know? That's my time of responsibility to God. And then, as I step out, you know, it's them and him. I'm here to like, yeah, come alongside. But hopefully I'm thinking, are they equipped, you know, to be who we hope they're going to be? So I would say, if you don't have what you want, think about it, pray about it, write it down and say what you want. Say what you want to see in your family. And then Holy Spirit will partner with you. And we're all here too. We will partner with you. Like we're here to encourage. We're here to pray. I'm, I'm happy to have coffee with anybody who wants to sit down and talk about that, you know? And I'll be your biggest cheerleader. So you're not alone and it's God's idea. So we just get to agree. That's really good. Two, two dangerous, I, I think dangerous trends I see in parenting right now. One is the, uh, the idea that we're trying to make our kids our friends. And I think the other is that parents begin to focus more on their kids than they do on each other. And, and it, it, it seems dangerous. Would you just speak into that? Yes. I keep it simple. I think there's a KIS. We'll just go with KIS. <laughs> Jesus one, spouse two, children three. Mm-hmm. And then whatever happens after four, five, six, ministry, job, whatever. Really, if you can get one right, two will probably come in line and, and three will help out there. But I mean, is Jesus number one in your life? What does that look like? Number two, is your spouse really number two? Ask your spouse. Not right now. <laughs> but, and then there's those children. No, I mean, what does the scripture say? Children are a blessing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are. God's, That's good. God didn't do you wrong. And he gave you a loan. He gave you, a loan. He gave you children. They're, they're the ones that are going to run this. Gen- they're going to run the nation soon. And so, you know, what, what do you want your kids who are going to be ruling this nation? What, what, how do you want them? Where do you want them to go to find advice? Um, again, Jesus, one spouse, two, and children, three. And then come on. You know, if, the, if all that doesn't align. So to me, that I keep it simple. That's really good. Anything to add? Yeah. Um, I, I, honestly, this is what happens is we do think of our kids as our friends. And when they do something wrong, rebellious or whatever, like we get offended. We get offended and can get our feelings hurt in that situation. So... You know, we have to, to learn how that this is, you know, not them against you, right? It's just you preparing them for, for what's going to go forward. 
And I have so much fun with my kids. I, I do love them. I feel like they now are great friends, you know, because my goal and my hope and my prayer would that we would be brothers and sisters in the Lord, right, running together. But, you know, setting firm boundaries with kids gives them security. Say that again. <laughs> Setting firm boundaries gives them security. You know, so think about what boundaries you want to set and then be willing to help enforce them. And so I read a study one time. These kids were in this elementary school. It was near a forest. They had a fence, and they played They played in their playtime all around. Well, they decided we're going to give our, these kids more freedom we're going to move the fence, remove the fence. And all the kids just huddled up by the school. But with that fence, it gave them freedom. And Faith shared something with me. It was a worship book she has. And there's a, a mountaintop, and uh, a worship leader was sharing ha- about having her daughter up there. Well, it was fenced. The mountaintop was sheer drops on all sides, but it was fenced. And her little girl just ran and danced and, you know, just had the best time because, why, she felt secure because that fence was there. Like, she knew she was safe from danger, right? So she actually experienced more freedom. So as you, like, set firm boundaries and help, you know, help your kids learn how to not hang out on the fence but have a boundary that's before it gets to, then they feel secure and then they have freedom in that security. Awesome, awesome. Is there anything that you would have done differently as parents now that you're like leaving the the season of kids in in your house? I've asked my kids this question because I have such a big spread. There's 22 years between first and last. So you had like a lot of trial and error. I I got a chance to like (laughs) make a lot more mistakes than any of y'all have made, I guarantee. (laughs) And so I had a chance to get better. Um, but I asked him about that because there's some specific things that are probably more peculiar to our family than others that we did when our kids were little. Um, the th- but the thing I would say that I wish I hadn't done is freak out over stuff that I really didn't need to freak out over. Mm, that's really good. And, or, you know, early on. You just tend, like, you know, especially with your oldest, you know, something happens and you just kind of freak out. So I've learned, you know, as time has gone on and I've talked to my kids that have come after, that one of the safest things that I could give them is the ability for them to approach me with something wrong and know and that I wasn't going to freak out about it. You know what I mean? And one of my daughters said, I knew you would say that's not who you are. So we get a chance to like ask God, who are they? What's their identity? What's your purpose in their life? And then say, can you help us with resources, can you help us with wisdom to equip them for your call? Awesome. So as, uh, oh, let's see, it, was, it would have been about last summer, we started talking to Lynette about um, coming on our Sozo team to be our children's pastor um, because of the wisdom she carries, the experience, and our desire is this, is that um, Alan and Lynette both would not just be about ministering to our kids, but they'd actually be about ministering to our church body and to our family. Um, but we, we asked uh, Lynette, and, and we talked actually with, with both of them, and one of the things that they did is they actually went to their kids and began getting their kids' input before they would say yes to this role. And one of the things that I've noticed is the, the richness that you share, of relationship that you share 
with your adult kids. Talk just for a second about what does it look like? Your kids, most of your kids are now out of the house. How, how do you parent adult kids? Okay, people make assumptions about our family. One of the assumptions they make often is that our kids do and don't do what they do because we make them. Mm. And that's not true. If you talk to them, you'll find out that's not true. Um, Second, like, I take seriously my time when they're in my home. My responsibility is to God 100%, okay? For our home and for my kids in my home, we're super hands-off when our kids leave our home. We are, we're... Like, I feel like, okay, God, you know, they're yours. I'm here to love them, enjoy them, uh, talk with them, just have fun with them. You know, my work has, like, was done, like, heavy in the early, later on, more building relationship and trust. Um, And so we just get to just be part of their lives, I I would say. And um, we still have, actually, four at home. Um, three are in college. One's getting married in May. Like I said, one's in, one's in high school. And that could change. It's like we're, they're getting married kind of like that. Um, but I, just, I think it's fun. Just like you have to get to a place where you just enjoy it and laugh at it. And sometimes that's lowering expectations. <laughs> sometimes that's raising expectations. But in the midst of it all, you know, it is so much fun. You know, toddlers... And teens are probably my favorite, you know. And they're probably what people consider them the hardest. But there's so much fun in the midst of all of that. So I would say, yeah, so we just, we just get to enjoy who they are. Um, like I said, we love to worship, love to visit. We have fun together. Um, awesome. Does that, yeah, I don't know. If Absolutely. Right. Anything to add, Alan? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, here we go. So... Here's what I I believe about learning and growing in our faith. There are things that are caught. Caught is like, hey, you're just around and you pick up on them and you learn. There are things that are taught. That's like sharing truths, sharing ideas, sharing stories, and you you catch them. But there are also things in the kingdom of God that are imparted. And and things that are imparted are, are not just caught or taught. They're actually received by revelation in your spirit. And so what I've asked Alan and Lynette to do is just, we're just going to have a time of impartation and receiving. And I'm just, I just asked them just to minister to you however God leads them. And so here's what I want you to do, want us to do. Let's just go ahead and close our eyes. And Father, we just thank you that you are the perfect Father. And Lord, I thank you that you love us and that you see us. The Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We honor you. We know that you're here and we just say you are welcome here. That you're, in fact, the guest of honor. Lord, it's never too late. The Lord, I really want you to know that it's never, never too late. I don't care how old your kids are, whether you're married yet or not. God wants to use you. You need to know that you, he hasn't given you part of his Holy Spirit. 
He's given you everything, everything you need. And I, and I know that there's those who are struggling with that, but I'm excited about what God's doing in the revival that's taking place, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I'd like for you to realize that who you are and that God is doing exceedingly abundantly through you more than you could ever think or imagine. And you should be placing your hands on your children, your future children, the plans that God has for you to prosper you, not to harm you. Lord, we agree with you that you're pouring out your spirit now as we speak. Why don't we just stand up? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. My kids are on fire for Christ. My kids are on fire for Christ, not because of who I am, but because of of who is in me and who is in them. God's raising up an army. God's raising up an army and you are that army. You're creating a legacy one way or another. God direct us, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to his church. We wanna be like Paul and say, it's not even us that lives anymore, but it's you. It's you that lives within us. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't given us some authority over the enemy, but, hello? All authority, so we receive that. We know that there's a battle going on, but the enemy has no place in our children. No place. I thank you that you're raising up these children to know where to go. To when the battle comes to them, I thank you that they'll know that they're already fighting in a victorious place that you've won for them. And that whenever they walk in, Lord, the enemy will flee in seven directions because you, Lord God, have filled them to overflowing. I pray that for the mind of Christ over all these people and all the children, Lord God, I pray for the mind of Christ. I pray that anytime that something doesn't line up with your word, Lord God, that we'll know it's from the enemy and they won't hear that in Jesus' name. We rebuke you, enemy, in Jesus' name. Thank you for victory. Thank you for victory. I pray that you're raising up a generation of worshipers, those who worship you in spirit and truth, not just just a, a generation that have a form of godliness, Lord. But those who are filled with you. In Jesus' name.